Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's movies are The Fly and The Fly. Since you don't want to watch the same movie twice, I'm guessing that's one with Vincent Price and one with Jeff Goldblum naked. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Doug probably wouldn't have heard this, but you might have, Brian. Back in the uh, the 90s, there was a real estate agent that was murdered in Decatur. No. It, it, was like sure. a, it was like a real big dude strangled her and stole her. Uh, agent keys to break into houses but when we got home uh that's what we got home to because that was our real estate agent hmm. well that sucks it was bad it was a bad year and that sorry. poor lady was real nice too sorry my mom's texting me something yeah. um so you're gone next week correct no correct no so what are you doing down in the Caribbean? Are you going on a cruise? Or are you just yeah, going? Dude, yeah, seven day cruise going to uh, Cozumel, Mexico, and Honduras, and Belize, and the Cayman Islands. You should oh. launder some money when you're in the Cayman Islands. I hear they're good at it there. <laughs> well, if I had money to launder, I'd probably go on a, a more expensive vacation. Yeah. I'll have to, you have to tell me how the cruise is. You've been on a cruise before? I I have not, but my parents and my brothers do it a lot. And they swear by it. They say it's the best fucking vacation you can take. Well, see, I've always wanted to take a cruise, but there's always like the thing in the back of my head that's like, there's no way it's, it's going to be a good time. Well, I'd be concerned with the fact that there's so many people on the same boat. Yeah. That's what I saw, like, uh, some, like, I don't know, some clickbait-type bullshit, you know, why cruises are actually horrible or whatever, is they always show you, like, oh, look at, this is going to be the pool on the boat that you're going to be able to attend, there's, like, all the restaurants and stuff, and then, like, they show you, like, the true pictures, which is, yeah, that's the pool, now here's the pool crowded by the entire boat, you're like, oh, yeah, that doesn't seem like a good idea. Well, except it's it's a boat full of people, but there are like twenty pools. Yeah, and they have kind of specific pools for different things. If I understand it, like there's there's one pool area that's adults only, so people that have kids with them can't go in there. Yeah, adults they're, only. Yeah, they're forbidden. Which that is one of the most exciting fucking things because I do not want to deal with other people's fucking kids. <laughs> But, you know, there's entertainment every night. Your meals are all taken care of. Like, once you're on the boat, you know, there's stuff you can spend money on. But pretty much, you're like, your shit's good to go. Yeah. My understanding is you have to buy all your drinks, though. 
you get tea, lemonade, water, and water and coffee. For I said I said drinks. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then there's a soda package, and then there's a liquor package. But luckily, I don't drink enough to worry about it because the liquor package is fucking expensive. It's like fifty dollars a day. Yeah, see, that's you're right. I shouldn't go on a cruise. <laughs> Yeah, but then uh, you always hear about how like the bathrooms break down and like all that other shit. But once again, there's there's like, a million yeah. bathrooms. Oh, but yeah. they all break down simultaneously. I've seen it on the yeah. channel. Yeah, that's what I've heard too. One person gets sick, and you're like, "There's no way to escape it." Now everybody's sick. Yeah. Anyways, enjoy so, your <laughs> so yeah, enjoy yourself. Oh. I kind of want to go to Cleveland now instead I, of that. I think that that sounds like the kind of shit that, like, the opening week of a restaurant, somebody goes there and has a bad experience and then goes on the internet and rants and raves about how that restaurant's fucking awful, even though that restaurant's really, really good and destroys them and puts them out of business just because one fucking prick had a bad experience and didn't know how to process it correctly. I don't know. See, I've heard multiple stories about how, like the, because it's the sewage system that breaks down, which means then everybody's bathroom is horrible. But but the question is, have you heard multiple stories, or have you heard the same story repeated back to you? I've I've heard multiple stories. But no, it's no. really trying to justify here. No, I know. And no, it's no, no, no. I just don't trust. I don't. I don't trust negative reviews of anything. I think they're all full of shit. Like it's uh -huh. like movie reviews. Somebody tells me a movie's bad. Fuck, fuck them. They don't know. They're an idiot. Like it's like Noah's been checking the uh, iTunes reviews for this podcast, and he's trying to explain them all away. <laughs> Do we have iTunes reviews? I don't know. Do we? Uh, yeah, but nothing like recent. Are we, are we available for download on iTunes? Is that even a thing? I don't know. Yeah, yeah I'll look them up right now. I'm um, going to assume they all say, "Hey, that Noah dude's got a silky smooth voice." <laughs> yeah. No, I. I just honestly have not. I mean, I, I'm interested in maybe going on a cruise, but all those, uh, all those oh. things always kind of scared me off a little bit. Like I said, I'll let you know. My parents do at least two a year, and my older brother mm -hmm. does at least two a year, and they've never had a bad thing to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, we'll see. I guess. And now they do. There, there was this pretty stiff recommendation of the funny thing is I thought because Carnival's the one that seems to be the big dog that that would be the shitty one. You know what I mean? But yeah. apparently, but according to all of them, Carnival's the good one. Like, there's a reason why they're the most popular one. <coughs> um. Okay. Actually, we do have a couple semi-new iTunes reviews. One star. Uh, both of them five stars. Ooh. Oh, fancy. It's Chris. probably somebody trolling another podcast by trying to say ours is better. Uh, it says Chris from the Space Coast. Doug, Brian, and Noah are a perfect combo. Amazing movies and funny banter. What more could you ask for? Oh, well, that's nice. Uh, and it's even about us. Calm Runner says, love the show. Doug, Brian, and Noah have a great chemistry. And it's always a hoot to hear their thoughts on some of the great good slash bad movies out there. Keep it up, guys. Nice. And then from September 22nd, 2017, <laughs> January Girl KC says, smart and fun, but I don't remember when we started this podcast, so that may have been for the horror cast, last horror cast. 
can. I know it was it was in twenty seventeen. I just can't remember when. But well, what episode is this? Because that would tell us. We would all know. Well, uh, this is like episode fifty two, but I know there was a couple weeks we took off. So I'm not sure. So it's real close. Yeah. She posted that like just after the uh, the last episode of the last <laughs> orcast. She's like, this is a great podcast. I'm going to start listening all the time. What the hell happened? <laughs> you completely changed formats and got rid of a host. I do, I do think there's one good thing about our podcast. We're the only podcast ever that doesn't constantly go, don't forget to leave us a five-star review. Don't keep find the show. Yeah, but... But that having been said, we would really appreciate it if you would leave it five star reviews because it does help people find the show. Yeah, I would totally appreciate it if somebody did it, but I would never fucking ask someone to do it. <laughs> Which is probably why we only have like seven listeners because <laughs> leave reviews. <laughs> oh well. Yeah. So I mean, the last one we got was back in May. So you could always uh, go for more, but you know, no. do don't it. Don't do it. Who cares? Donate to show by asking us for a PayPal. And- Paypaling us directly. <laughs> Wait, we can do that? You're going to need to split it up three ways, though, because there's no chance in hell any of us are telling the other one about the donations. <laughs> yeah, and you convert mine to Canadian for me. I'm not doing that myself. Uh, we do have 24 customer reviews, though. Oh, there you go. 27 star ratings. We have a five-star rating on, on iTunes. <laughs> What's uh what's Canadian money? You guys use like Canucks? Is that what it is? <laughs> duck duck dollars? I don't I don't know. We, we just use dollars, that's what we call them. Oh. Well that's completely unoriginal. Do they, they, like, do any of them have a moose on it? Do any of them have a moose? I don't believe so. Not off the top of my head. I don't do, do any of that much money in my hands anymore? We use debit cards and credit cards like yeah, rational people. <laughs> Do yeah, any of them say that it's fake money because you're not a real country anyway? Oh, <laughs> damn you, South Park! Yeah, now that you mention it, I know they've upgraded money recently. Oh, within the past couple years, and I probably don't even know what it looks like now because yeah, I never have actual like money on hand. The new $100 bills are ridiculous, and they look like play money. And the crazy thing is, they made them ridiculous to make them super, super hard to counterfeit. And, like, we got a counterfeit $100 bill today that was really convincing. I was like, that's fucking nuts. Like, <laughs> you got to go way fucking out of your way to fake one of these. Interesting. They, like, have a big shiny strip on them now. Oh, a lot of our money has that. You can kind of see through the strip. Yeah. Yeah, we have that. I had no idea. Like I said, I think I have like maybe a 10, a 5, and a couple ones in my wallet that's been in there for like a year and a half because I'm not like giving somebody money and then getting change back. That's stupid. I specifically pay with things in cash so that I get change to put change in my piggy bank. Aww. <laughs> You're 10 and adorable. <laughs> Because if I fill up this piggy bank, mommy will let me have another one. Because <laughs> I have a, I have a super sweet 1970s vintage Fred Flintstone piggy bank. I love my goddamn piggy bank. <laughs> Fuck you guys. And you know when I got it? Huh? 1970s? Huh? 
No, for my 27th birthday for my dad, because he mm. bought it at a fucking garage sale. This is when he's having a talk with your mom, like, I'm so disappointed. I'm just going to buy him some <laughs> janky shit from this garage sale, and we're just going to call that a birthday present. Exactly. Love that, man. <laughs> but he gave it to you, and you got really excited about it, and he turned to your mom and was like, I have no son. <laughs> <laughs> I love you parents who don't listen to my show. <laughs> I don't know what I would do if my mom listened to this show. <laughs> it's bad enough that my grandma follows me on Facebook. It's bad enough that my mom follows me on Facebook. Oof. Apparently she just, her and my stepdad just bought some new property and I had no idea until I saw it on Facebook. <laughs> That's awesome. Because they live way out in the boonies, like they don't, we own a farm, and uh, they just keep buying up land around it to make it even bigger. And apparently, they bought some more today, and I had no idea. Hmm. I guess if my parents bought land, they wouldn't probably tell me. That, <laughs> um, I mean, they haven't that I know of, but if they do, I don't. I don't think I'd be the first one they'd call. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be either. But it is kind of weird that. I'm now learning all this through Facebook instead of, you know, having a conversation with her at some point whenever I go out there. Yeah, but it's so convenient to not have to, like, interact with another human being. Oh, trust me. My mom has learned to text now, and it's the greatest thing in the entire world. I don't have to actually call her anymore. <laughs> my mom just stopped signing her texts, like, as if they were letters. <laughs> she, started, she used to write the message, and then she'd put love mom at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> my parents are moving to Florida and it makes me sad good hey, for Doug, them though Doug look at this guy caring about his parents so weird loser <laughs> my parents are pretty awesome uh, do you know who didn't have awesome parents <laughs> the kid from the original fly why Just <laughs> stop acting like a child you little piece of shit <laughs> uh, segway uh yeah <laughs> so, yeah that was a segue good point <laughs> so yeah this week uh Doug picked uh the original fly and the fly remake and we're gonna compare and contrast uh, Noah, do you want to give us the rundown of the original fly? Uh, sure. Uh, so we start off with a mysterious murder of a guy getting fucking smooshed in a oh, steel yeah. press. Hell yeah, we do. Not just smooshed, but like annihilated. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, it turns out his wife did it. She's being very circumspect and not wanting to give details, although very emphatically admitting that she's the one who did it. Uh, Vincent Price is apparently her late husband's friend slash boss? Brother. Brother. Isn't business partner brother? It's it's her brother-in-law. It's... It's it's her French-Canadian brother-in-law. You couldn't tell from Vincent Price's accent. A lot of weird vague crossover in their lives that was odd that I didn't understand. No, it's, he's in love with her, and then but she was in love with his brother, so he never pursued her, and now... Yeah, but he, like, invested in the brother's inventions? I guess? And the well, brother they, also kind all of... Right. The, the all, right. all right, so they owned an electronics company together. 
It's not explained if they started it or whether they inherited it, but they made tons of money off of it. Mm-hmm. And they used some of that money to fund experiments, which the deceased brother ran in the basement of his house. As most okay. people do. Yep, close enough. I dig it. Uh, throughout the course of it, we find out that the wife is looking for a strange fly that has a white head and arm that the son has seen before. She agrees to tell Vincent Price's character the story of what really happened. So the whole movie's kind of like uh, alternating between modern time and her telling the flashback story. It turns out that her husband invented what the fuck does he call teleportation? Like disintegration and reintegration. Yeah, yeah, disintegration reintegration machine, which is teleportation. Let's just say teleportation. Mm-hmm. In which he vaporizes the fucking house cat. <laughs> which is pretty awesome. He just disintegrates it. He just never reintegrates it. Yeah, he just somehow the cat is still able to meow in the netherworld. I fucking love that scene when that cat meows. Yeah, that's weird. Like, a, like a, he's become some kind of interdimensional ghost cat. <laughs> fucking awesome. Super dark for a movie of this time, too. <laughs> it really is. Uh, so we find out that the, the machine has some flaws and he's perfecting it. Uh, eventually one day she comes down after he's been missing for about a day and he's acted all weird. Of course, he's he's done teleported himself and fucked himself up somehow. Uh, all, it, it's being mysterious, even though we all know it's a fly. For fuck's sakes, the movie's called The Fly. Even if you've never seen it before, you would know he's, he's become a weird fly man of some kind. Uh, apparently the fly part of him is slowly taking him over. Yep. I guess. It's kind of vague. Uh, and then basically in the end they can't find the fly. He decides to end it all before he loses control and becomes total fly man and has the wife smoosh him. Like a fly. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Destroying the evidence and all that. Uh, in the end, we're left with the question, is she crazy or is she not crazy? And she's not crazy, because we get to see horrible little fly with man pieces and a spider's web screaming healthy <laughs> while being eaten by a fucking bug. I think the weirdest thing about this movie is 90% of this movie could not be considered a horror movie. It is, at best, a science fiction movie. Sure. But that other 10% is fucking extreme for a 50s movie, isn't it? Well, what's really unique about this movie is it's set in this weird era that is between, like, the 50s, like, where we expect to see, like, universal classics, or, like, the 60s, 70s, where things started to get really extreme. So what we get is this movie with, like, the aesthetic of a universal classic, but then these, like, hardcore moments thrown in. And it starts even just the the opening shots of the movie where they're just running like the the credits and they've got those creepy close-ups of that fly and that buzzing noise is happening mm-hmm. and it's really off-putting and annoying and scary and you're like this doesn't belong in a 50s movie like this shouldn't be happening while these old-timey flashcards show us who the director of photography is <laughs> it's it's a really weird combination 
Yeah, and I I would say there's two there's definitely two moments in the movie that put it way over the top, and that's the opening scene where you first see the body in the press, and, and there's just blood it's, everywhere, yeah, blood yeah. fucking everywhere. <laughs> and you're like, wait a minute, it's like, oh yeah, man, that's like some Herschel Gordon Lovett shit right there. <laughs> that's, that's good shit. And then, uh, and of course, the end where you see the horrible fly mutant, in which that is upsetting. Yes. <laughs> that, that whole makeup, you're like, oh, Jesus. And I know that spider is fake as dog shit because it's a 1950s movie spider. But the fact that it's going to eat that horrible little mutant man, and you're like, oh, God, <laughs> they're going to kill it. But they wait for the spider to bite his fucking face before they kill him. Yeah, and I love they don't try to, like, save him. It was that like, never yeah, occurs to them. Pick up that rock and smash it. Should I smash it before or after the spider bites it? Uh, while the spider's biting it. Just no no need to make a decision. Go right down the middle while the spider's biting it. Save me! Save me! The thing is, like, I knew about that scene before I saw this movie for the first yeah. time. I, like, that's very famous. And I remember mm-hmm. seeing this movie for the first time and knowing it was coming and still being, like, getting that, like, tingle down your back when you hear that help me help me and you're like what the fuck is happening i don't i don't think when people explain it to you i don't think you're ever prepared for that makeup no because once again this is a 1950s movie and that's not a 1950s special effect no the, the spider the, the spider definitely yeah the spider is but the horrible little fly monster is not <laughs> Um, this is actually the very first time I've seen this movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've always known about it. Of course, love the remake, which we'll get to. Um, but I don't know. Just never had it, and I love it's a price, but I just never got around to watching it. And I don't know if it's because, like, ah, oh, well, I know, I know what that's about. There's no point in watching. Um, so I watched it. Absolutely loved this movie. The uh. Like you were saying, the the weird the weird effects on the spider mute or the fly mutant at the end is awesome. Uh, I feel like the fly makeup on the actor is amazing looking. Oh yeah, for the era, for sure. Oh yeah, and uh, for some reason I was thinking of like a more generic type of uh, makeup, and I think I was equating it with. Uh, Return of the Fly, which I've also never seen, but I've seen clips. Okay, and I think that's where I thought it was coming from because it's got like the much bigger, mm-hmm. sort of exaggerated fly head on it. But yeah, yeah. Seeing, seeing the makeup in this, I was just like, oh my god, that looks amazing. The story is actually pretty good. It's not just like a complete, like, sort of cut and dry scenario. I, like I, I, him, him disintegrating the cat, I think, is like one of the like. I'm just like, oh no! Don't put the cat in there. And that's, well, cause they they started out with him like telling the son, like, you got to be very gentle with the cat. You got to, you can't just like, you know, throw him around. And then he's like, oh, I'm just gonna put it in this disintegration machine. Yeah, but he thinks it's gonna reintegrate. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, he thought it was gonna work. I mean, I suppose that's the. And clearly, what they wanted to do was have the cat be some sort of backwards because they tease it with the. The writing on that plate that they teleport, they have mm-hmm. it go backwards. So clearly, they wanted the cat to be like to come out with its 
head where its ass goes and its ass where its head goes or something, but they just didn't have the special effects for it. So they decided to go this other way. And it's, I think it's one of those scenarios where it's like the, uh, the constraints that they were under actually made it a better scene. Cause it's just, it's so dark and creepy. And it's like the, the sick and twisted part of me loves it. When you just hear that cat meow and he's looking around like as if it's going to be in the air. <laughs> oh. A little sad. I don't have it out on my desk. I actually have a cool little desk standy toy of the fly from this movie oh, that nice. I would have taken a picture of and sent to Doug to put on the Instagram feed. But it's all packed up because they're supposed to be moving me desks. Oh, yeah. I uh, I ended up loving the movie and just completely went along with it and had a good time watching it. Yeah, it's really good. There's a, there just isn't much about this movie to complain about. Parts of it get a little boring maybe but i can see i can see that argument for a modern audience watching it i can see how people would find it boring i think i'm like i'm on the record saying i love these old-timey horror movies so it doesn't doesn't have that effect on me at all i think and i think maybe one of the only reasons why i feel that way is because the parts that are intense are so fucking intense you're like man if they could have kept that pace up in this movie this would be i mean it would Generally, you think of, like, Night of the Living Dead kind of is the turning point in movies, where it goes from that old style of horror to holy shit. Like, and I think The Fly is right on the border of holy shit. Yeah, it has holy shit moments. Yeah. And then it just, the, the in-between scenes feel like something out of, like, an old Victorian play, where they're, like... Like the scenes where the the wife is like interacting with the maid and stuff, and you're like, I don't. Need, they're not even talking like human beings half the time, and you're just like, this is a little weird. Like they're doing the old '50s style acting, and you're like, okay. Then all of a sudden, it's like she gets back down to that lab, and it's like, because even those scenes before they reveal the fly, like where he's clearly all fucked up, and we haven't seen him, and he's you know banging once for yes and twice for no or whatever it is, and it's like that's those are some intense moments and that first time that hand comes out and she sees it it's like again it is that 50s style acting but her reaction is really intense you're like it's pretty fucked up because it looks really good that hand looks really mm-hmm. good and you're just like holy shit like i don't know if you're into movies the way like people who listen to movie podcasts are into movies like it's it's a really good moment you kind of put yourself into that mm-hmm. moment like, like, jesus well how would you react if somebody pulled their hand out of their pocket and it was a fly hand? I know I've definitely seen that scream before, probably using some weird compilation or something. Yeah. The nice, oh, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Close up on her face, her screaming. Yeah. Uh, lots of compilations. Yeah, yeah. It's very similar to the Kevin McAllister scream from Home Alone, so that might be what you're thinking. Of. <laughs> you know what I think? I think that scream might be in Blood Bra's intro. Uh, that's, yeah, that's probably is what it is. Yeah, the our friend who's a horror host, I think, uses it in his his video intro. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I just I love this movie. Uh, sp- speaking of the maid, though, I did think it was funny that she's constantly like being a jerk to that little kid, and the mom's just sort of like, oh, those two, and then just lets them just lets the maid like. Oh push her kid around and the kid is not gonna have like the kid from this movie does not what well, we see later in the sequels he does not grow up well but yeah he 
He didn't have a chance. It's like his dad acts like playing with him for five minutes before bed is like the biggest reward he could give this kid after ignoring him for months on end. And it's like, what kind of a poor childhood is this? It's like, go outside, stay out of our way. All we're giving you to play with is this net. Okay, use the net to catch a fly. You little shit, you caught a fly? How dare you? <laughs> what the fuck? That's, That's a butterfly kid. net, you little cocksucker. <laughs> <laughs> They're so mean to that kid, and just nobody cares about him. Like, his uncle seems to at least kind of like him, but... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the maids constantly has him by like the arm, like dragging around, like you're gonna eat dinner, and he's like, I don't wanna. <laughs> I also yeah. like the scene where uh, Vincent Price's character is confronting her toward the end of the movie, and he's like, "You saw the fly, right?" And she's like, "Yeah, it was just a normal fly." And it's like, okay, that might be more believable if they weren't standing directly in that window right next to it. She had to see that fucking fly, right? <laughs> Well, we're supposed to believe that from a distance you wouldn't know it was a fucked up fly. And I believe that, but she was right up next to that motherfucker. I guess, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, the, the part where the movie... If you she's kind of a shitty maid. She don't listen for shit. Yeah, you, you would think a maid would do as she's told more, but... Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and the, and, uh, she has almost has like a heart attack twice when... People are just take up a rolled up newspaper and gonna kill flies, and she's just like, no, like trying to like stop them. <laughs> but even that maid, like, so she kills that one fly when the uh, when the woman tells her that she's like, we're looking for this fly, and she kills it. No, you can't kill it. But then, as the the mom and the little boy are looking for this fly. The maid is still walking around with that fly swatter, killing them. <laughs> she has no interest in listening whatsoever. Uh, these people uh, are horrible scientists. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, the teleportation effect, too, which I, I know it's just some cell painting kind of stuff. Man, that's a really good job. Yep. And I don't know if the the version I watched was maybe a cleaned up version or something, or if that's a what the original effect looked like. But I mean, it looked good. It looked better than a lot of like '80s movies where that technology should have gotten better. Mm -hmm. it, yeah. Again, I think the, the the limitations on the technology they weren't trying to do things that they couldn't do, which is where a lot of '80s movies fall apart. Is they try to use too much animation and stuff where. The technology was not there for them to use it yet. Yeah, I bought this on Voodoo a while ago, and I've just been sitting on it, knowing we were going to do it for the show at some point. And the the like version I on Voodoo is like crystal clear. Oh yeah, they got like a really good capture of it. Yeah, I have the DVD, and it's pretty good quality. So it's I think this is just what it looks like. I'm sure it's a little cleaned up from what people would have seen in theaters back in the day, but. I think it's just a really good looking movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was surprised uh, that the Fox logo was at the beginning. Because for some reason, I thought this was like, oh, this is one of these cheapy, like, 50s, like, horror movies. So uh, it's probably like one of Corman's uh, companies or whatever. But the Fox logo started up, and I was like, holy shit. And then I guess I see why, because the rest of the movie like looks really good. Uh, which, in the trivia on IMDb, they 
count this as a movie that is almost sort of like an example of the Mandela effect. Because a lot of people swear that this movie is black and white. Because of the era? Well, they just have memories of watching it and it being black and white. And, uh, which the trivia says, no, you know, it was filmed in color, was always intended to be presented in color. But the, then the thing is, both the sequels are black and white. Yeah. And people started getting them mixed up. And that's when they swear, like, no, all the fly movies are black and white. Yeah. No, I, I'm always, every time I watch this, I'm reminded, oh, yeah, right. The first one's in color, <laughs> which is a little weird. <laughs> but it, again, though, that, that adds to, I think, the, effect because you've got like like movies from the 50s that are in color are like they have that brighter impact so when this movie opens up with all that blood splatter it's like that bright red just shining at you like hey you seen stuff like this before because you probably weren't expecting that after those opening credits (laughs) the old timey like universal style like flashcard credits Mm -hmm. yeah i do enjoy um as you mentioned that opens up we see a dude in like a fucking vice or whatever the fuck it is. And then we find at the end, like that, you know, he programmed it basically went and laid down and let, you know, told her to push the button. And I do like that he didn't get squished enough. So she has to go adjust him a little bit and squish him again. Just put his arm in. I think Uh, it's the deal. I think that's what, that's how I took it anyway. Like, oh, I love the fact that they make a big deal of they're like, it's set to zero. <laughs> we don't use zero for anything. That would mush it to an atom's width. It's like, yeah, there ain't nothing left of that dude's face and arm. Well, what? mission accomplished, I guess, for that family. Their goal is to destroy him completely. <laughs> This does get a little, like, it is kind of funny listening to them talk, like, trying to sound scientific when nothing they're saying is scientific. But, you know, that's just the era, again, that this was made. It's transferring matter. It's no different than a TV signal. (laughs) (laughs) I think it is. But, you know, the, the explanation he gives, which is, like, it basically comes down to, okay, atoms are made up of electrons and neutrons, which are just electrical pulses. And therefore, if we can send electrical pulses through the air, there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to do this. And you're like, but you know what? For 1958 movie logic, that's better than I expected. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like when you go back and you watch other movies from the 50s, it's like a bomb went off. So now everything's a lot bigger. And you're like, okay, I'll take it. (laughs) It's radiation. Everything's bigger now. Yeah. Sure, why not? Like, why did the radiation only affect? Never mind. Just fuck it. Don't you, don't you worry about that. So the ants are bigger, but the people that are interacting with the ants are not affected by the radiation. Never mind. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to see if there was any other interesting. Uh, uh, well, I guess here's one that will tie into the next movie, too. So apparently Andre wears the same clothes every day, except for the time he's dressed up to go to the ballet. Oh, really? Yeah. I guess so, yeah. He's just wearing that white lab coat all the time. Uh, Isn't it brown? You're brown. What? What? Isn't he wearing a brown jacket? Am I crazy? <laughs> uh, yeah, his sports, his brown sports jacket. But then a lot of times he has a uh, lab coat over top the top of it. Yeah, okay. So we're both right. Yeah. But do you think there's some, like, subplot 
that explains how cold that basement is. <laughs> that explains why he needs two jackets down there. Uh, um, so I, I guess while they were filming the last scene where they smashed those evil mutant fly that's caught in the spider web mm-hmm. uh, with the rock, uh, apparently they had to refilm it multiple times because they made like a small animatronic figure just so that they would have something to look at. And apparently Vincent Price and the guy who played the police guy kept like breaking up with laughter every time they looked at it. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) they'd have to stop, reset, go again. Sitting there vibrating with one little arm wiggling going... (laughs) For as intense as Vincent Price is on screen, that is his reputation, that things like that would happen a lot. <laughs> Which is pretty good. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Does anybody else have anything else they want to talk about? Like, I highly recommend this movie. I loved it. Never had a chance to see it before, so. Yeah, it, it's, an, it's a really, truly excellent movie. Have you seen, you won't, I guess the answer is no. Are you planning to watch the sequels? Uh, I will. I think I have Return of the Fly on Voodoo because I think they were like a bundle or whatever when I bought it. Um, so I'll probably watch them at some point. I've heard that there's diminishing returns. There, on- there's definitely diminishing returns, but there's some interesting stuff going on in those sequels. <laughs> yeah, I got Return of the Fly. I don't think I have Curse of the Fly. Curse of the Fly is the one where they end up with like a bunch of mutants that are living in like the back shed. <laughs> <laughs> now I feel disappointed that I haven't seen that one yet. Oh really? You should see it. It involved like I think the second is it I haven't seen them in a while, but I think the second one involves like uh industrial espionage where somebody comes in it's like the kid has grown up from this movie, has grown up and he's now trying to recreate his father's experiments. And there's like somebody comes in and works in the lab and they find out that he's actually from some other company trying to steal the technology. So they throw him through the machine. (laughs) (laughs) It's something like that. I can't remember exactly. Then the third one is literally like a crazy lady walking up the street. So some guy picks her up and marries her and then makes her feed these mutants that he's got hidden out in the barn. If, If I've learned anything from horror movies, it's that if your dad did some kind of horrible experiment that like went wrong and you grow up and are in a similar field don't try to recreate that experiment it's not a good idea it never turns out well yeah it hasn't ever worked out for anyone in the history of cinema always bad Uh, curse of the fly is not on voodoo so that will probably prevent me from watching that one. It's probably on YouTube somewhere, I'm sure. But It's a pretty sweet box set of all the DVDs. That's that's what I have, and it's pretty neat. DVDs? Pish posh. Well, I'm, sure, I'm sure they upgraded it. Need them 4K restoration. <laughs> exactly. 4K, 4K restoration of a movie that people think of as being black and white, even though technically it's not. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably what they'll do. Eh? They'll, they'll up, when they finally upgrade it to 4K, they'll release a black and white version. Yeah. yeah, it looks like I, $20, the Fly Collection. I actually had that problem with Night of the Living Dead for a long time, because the first time I ever saw the original Night of the Living Dead, it was the uh, Technicolor painted version. Oh, really? Yeah. I've still never watched that start to finish. 
the, the Technicolor version is yeah. bad. It, none of them colors are right. Like, like, I own it. I bought it because I felt like I needed to. And I, like, watched a few minutes of it. And then I'm just, like, took it out and put it in one of the nine black and white copies that I own or whatever. Because <laughs> it's in every box set every, that you've ever bought. Yeah. Um, so it looks like, the, yeah, they have a box set of the original three movies. Then they have a box set of the the remake and then the sequel to the remake. Huh. Interesting. I'm a little disappointed I didn't have time to watch that. The Fly 2? Oh, yeah. Because that is, that is some good, bad bullshit right there. <laughs> uh, uh, well, Doug, do you want to walk us through the 80s remake of The Fly? 80s remake of The Fly is... Uh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, Jeff Goldblum's a scientist. He meets a reporter at a party. Exp- takes her back to his place. Explains that he's working on teleport- teleportation machines. Uh, agrees to let her hang around and during the final days of uh, testing so that she can write a book about the whole procedure. And a fly gets in the machine with him when he goes through. He starts gradually turning into a fly. He knocks her up just so that we can have a bunch of abortion talk in the middle of our nice science fiction movie because <laughs> it wasn't controversial enough to have my beloved actor turned into an insect on screen. We had to, we had to get something in there that would really drive a wedge between audience members. Um, and yeah, that's it. He turns into a fly at the end. I mean, plot-wise, plot there's actually less to this than I think there is to the original. Um, uh, what, yeah. this is, what this is all about is just Jeff Goldblum turning into a fly it's about the body horror. It's about the physical transformation. So in the last movie, we had yeah, it's a lot. It's more cerebral. Yeah, like like the last movie, there there was that references to the idea of the fly taking over. Here we get to watch that happen on screen, rather than us following the other characters who are you know worried about what's going on in the lab. We spend the movie much of the movie in the lab through various various things, including some like found footage type stuff, which is kind of ahead of its time for 86. So, yeah. I mean, it's really Cronenberg just like wanting to make audience members throw up and thinking, this would be a fun way, let's remake the fly. Yeah, I would say in the in the specific genre of body horror, fly's gotta be in contention for the best. Oh, sure, yeah. It, yeah. It, I mean... It's good in a, in a lot of ways, but the effects of watching Goldblum deteriorate, and it's a combination of the effects and the performance, um, but the effects are fantastic. They hold up amazing to this day. Like Watching them now, I, I can't help but imagine that if they were to remake this movie now, the effects would actually be worse today than they were in 86. Maybe... Pretty. At the end, maybe like the uh, the puppet effects when he goes full fly, you could argue that those don't hold up one hundred percent. But the makeup effects during the transformation are I love the puppet perfect. fly. I like it. It just doesn't necessarily look as photorealistic as they might be able to create today. Hmm. Uh, I had a point. I completely forgot what it was. Gold Bloom plus Cronenberg <laughs> equals awesome. Equals awesome. Right. It does. Yeah, I mean, this movie is uniquely '80s in the sense that, like, 
there's like an evil reporter trying to follow them around. <laughs> like it's this movie could only have been made in the eighties when Jeff Goldblum is all like the flyed up. He goes out and like gets into arm wrestling matches and breaks people's arms and bars and wing women. And it's like not only not just a woman, but a woman named Tani. Like how eighties is that? <laughs> <laughs> I just realized we'd never find out what happens to Tani. What if she's knocked up too with some weird fly baby? We don't know that. That's a good point. Fly three. Mm, there we go. I just solved all of our problems for how to make a fly three that nobody wants. That's a weird future pseudo fly baby. <clears throat> yeah, I did like uh, Jeff Goldblum's performance, which it's a very rare time when I won't say that. Usually, but, even if the movie's shitty, be like, yeah, but Jeff Goldblum, though. See, the thing with him, though, is, like, a lot of times he's just Jeff Goldblooming about, yeah. right? Like, he's just doing his Jeff Goldblum thing. And that's certainly true at the beginning of this movie. Like, even though maybe people didn't know that that's what Jeff Goldblum just was going to do in every movie for all time in 86. Like, the Goldblum hem-haw, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> so, which, I mean, it is perfect for the character they've written. Mm. I'm glad they cast him for that. But when he starts transforming and you start to see him kind of becoming I don't know if the word like going nuts and you start seeing him put his own like body parts in the medicine cabinet to store them for later and you start to see like there's scenes where he like physically is having trouble walking and at one point he's using these two canes to walk and you're like that is a really tough physical acting what he's doing and he's pulling it off perfectly like it's it's flawless and it's like I you know, that's not just Jeff Goldblum doing the Jeff Goldblum thing anymore. Now he's got to be a fantastic actor and he's pulling it off. Yeah, his portrayal is uh, Seth Brundle's amazing in this movie. And apparently he worked, uh, the puppeteers like worked with him beforehand because they wanted him to do, essentially do something that they could then put into like the puppets and stuff. Okay. And uh, so that's where his like twitching came from. I and like that. And then they subtly like worked that into the to the puppeteering at the end if you pay attention to it. <coughs> Brundle fly must vomit and then oh. up the nutrients. So yeah. So <laughs> I got home, I turned the movie on while Amanda was making dinner. And then she decided we're having steak fajitas tonight. So then she got hers and sat down. Uh, probably took like three bites and then Jeff Goldblum vomits into the, onto the donut in his hand and she just puts all of her fajitas down. She's like, well, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, you gotta warn people about that. Yeah, well, I was gonna say, if you got if you don't have a, a, a good resistance or a stomach of iron, Cronenberg and eating is a bad idea. Know. Yeah. Like, I was fine. I just kept eating mine laughing at her. But, yeah. uh, like, she, when she sat down, it was the scene where he was pulling his fingernails off and stuff. Oh. And I'm like, you probably don't want to watch that while you're eating. So she just kind of looked down. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you're fine. And then cut to him, just black, like on his donut. And she's like, well, I'm done. <laughs> but leftover fajitas for you for tomorrow. So that's nice. <laughs> so I apologize. Like, I'm like, I'm sorry. I forgot that part was coming up. <laughs> Thought it was later. 
This is the story of how David Cronenberg ruined Brian's marriage. <laughs> that takes a lot, Cronenberg. <laughs> I like, I, I love the fact that the entire premise of this movie is that the machine will not transport organic matter properly, and it turns out that the reason why that is is because of the idea of almost artistic expression in the human form, you know. And so he programs the computer to to do a more interpretive artistic version of transportation which is why he ends up getting fucked up because <laughs> like, the fly goes in and the machine goes ah two things one thing <laughs> yeah it is I mean it, it's sci-fi mumbo jumbo when they talk they don't say anything that really makes a lot of sense but when they start like talking about how computer can't understand the human living matter and all that it is kind of neat to listen to him go through that cycle bubble which doesn't again i'm sure you can't analyze that in any kind of logical sense but i enjoy listening to it oh we didn't talk about inside out baboon uh, we were getting there don't worry because i love me some inside out baboon makes me sad this just feels like this was cronenberg like because they do cherry pick certain moments from the original film and sort of create them, and that's the one, right? They're like, "Oh, this baboon ain't disappearing into space." Not in the David Cronenberg movie. There's <laughs> a skinless baboon. There, and I, I bet you it was like we could do the cat just like the first movie, and they're like, no, but with the baboon, he could then try to reach his hand out of the telepod, and he, you could have it smash against the glass, and it'd be a cool effect. And we're like, "Yeah, get get me a baboon," because. <laughs> Uh, so apparently, according to the trivia, David Cronenberg was very nervous around the baboons because they could be very unpredictable and very violent. But it turns out since Goldblum was in such amazing shape because he got in really good shape for this movie and was like tall and muscular, the baboons felt like he was their their like alpha. <laughs> so basically, Goldblum was controlling these baboons on set, getting them to like listen and stuff. So. So basically what you're saying is even baboons are sucked into the charismatic black hole of gold blue. Pretty much. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, and then apparently there's a deleted scene, which I think pays even more homage to the original, when he's testing out, because uh, at the end he decides that he can't just use a teleportation pod, he needs to essentially have three pods and take have it be like a gene splicer or whatever. Use them together. Apparently this is a deleted scene where he actually tested it out on the other baboon and a cat. And then what came out of the pod was just like this monstrous thing that he just beats to death with a lead pipe. I am very upset that that is not in the movie. Well, apparently, test audiences thought that at that point he had gone too far. Like there was never, he was never coming back. So they had never had any sympathy for him after that. I can see that. I can see why you wouldn't have, <laughs> why you would have no sympathy for that. But if you're saying test baboon monster and beats it to death, if you're saying test audiences, that means that footage exists. Oh, it does somewhere. It might be Wait, on the Blu-ray. I don't know. Where is my extended fly cut? Well, that is with in, cat cat poo. In the uh, 
in the sequels to the original, I forget exactly how it works, but there are instances of people intentionally like, get in there and we're putting a guinea pig in with you just so you get fucked up. <laughs> like it's intentionally turning them into monsters because why not? So that is sort of a tribute to the original. We're going to Cronenberg the shit out of you. We don't even know who Cronenberg is yet. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I don't know. So, so do we find uh, Gina Davis attractive in this movie? I find Gina Davis more attractive the older I get. It's because <laughs> I don't remember as a child finding her very pretty, but the older I'm getting, I'm like, yeah, Gina Davis. <laughs> Damn it, cat! Jesus, that's it. Put that thing in a telepod. <laughs> Putting you in there with the dog. <laughs> Cat dog, cat dog. <laughs> All right. So there, I think there is something important to discuss since you brought up Gina Davis's appearance. Mm-hmm. Is this in the opening scene where her and Jeff Goldblum meet at that party? Is that the biggest combination of hair in cinema history? Because <laughs> they, they both have their hair puffed out about a foot and a half from their head. <laughs> I don't even know how that can work. Science, man. I assume they had to turn sideways to get through doors with hair by pig. <laughs> I did see on Instagram you were wondering about this while you were watching. <laughs> it really caught me off guard when you see the two of them face to face and they're just it's almost like Gina Davis's hair is naturally that big because she keeps it all curly in eighties. Mm-hmm. And then Jeff Goldblum just like puffed his out to try to match. <laughs> I will not be outdone by you, Gina Davis. Who he was dating at the time. We'll see. Yeah. So maybe that's it. They had like this competition. Like, I bet my hair will be bigger in the movie. I forgot that they uh, also came up with an excuse to have Goldblum play piano with this movie. Because <laughs> he's just a weird, quirky scientist guy who plays piano to keep himself calm. <laughs> fucking Goldblum. Goldblum. He's a national fucking treasure. He's he's one of the weirdest. Like, I don't even know. Maybe he's perfectly normal in real life. I assume not. I assume his real life persona is very similar to the one we see on screen all the time. And he's fucking nuts. And I love it. From the things I've seen from behind the scenes stuff, it sounds like he just, like, his greatest joy in the world is making people uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, that is a fun way to spend your time. Oh, I had a point, and I completely forgot what it was. God damn it. Where's my black hole? I got all fat- infatuated with uh, their hair. Now I got sidetracked. Final final fly transformation? Awesome. Yep. Yeah. I do like, though, it is sort of a tribute to the original, too, where he's still uh, the fly at the end. Still wants to kill himself and has to get his girlfriend to do it for him. So yeah. just, it is still like, like plot wise again, it is still following the original pretty similar, just eighty stuff. Yeah, I had read that uh, the guy who made the the special effects guy, um, specifically did not want to use bladders in any anything because some big movie had just come out that they had used. Oh, I think it was like American Werewolf in London. Like all those used bladders for like the transformation sequence. Yeah. So he specifically did not want to use bladders for that, which is why they came up with uh, the device where sort of the 
his face just splits in half and like just sort of runs off and you see like the monster underneath. Which I thought was awesome. The skin, the skin just like sloughing off is just d- delightfully gross. <laughs> well, it's it's amazingly gross, but then it also gives you that like feeling of like oh, so like underneath he's been like more fly than we thought he was, like even more mm. than we were seeing this whole time, and it's like it's just so icky. It's weird. <laughs> Uh, we do get to see him vomit on that dude's hand and foot, which is awesome. Yep. I can't like as I'm watching this movie like now. I'm thinking, why is that fucking character in this movie? Like he's like like we really only need the two speaking roles. We don't need anybody else. And they have that guy constantly floating around and taking showers at Gina Davis's house for some reason. <laughs> you know, like oh, I, I don't know why that guy's he's here. He's just being '80s inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> just you know. Yeah, it's the eighties. No, didn't actually meet No back then. Hey, you're my ex-girlfriend, so I just figured I would let myself into your house and use your facilities. Oh, the worst part of that—the moment where you realize this is a character that deserves to be dead—is when she goes, "Give me my key back," and he goes, "No, I'm gonna keep it." <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? What kind of a scumbag do you have to be to refuse to give somebody their key back after you've broken up? Well, to be specific, an 80s movie villain. Yeah, you have to be an 80s movie villain, preferably one that works for some sort of yeah. publishing house. Or, depressingly enough, 80s movie hero. Yeah, but this guy's just not in good enough shape to be the hero. Plus, he's got a beard, and in the 80s, that made you the villain. I'm mm-hmm. just saying, equally, you can be equally inappropriate either way. Yeah. Not, that was not good. The 80s were not good. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just every now and again there's one of those like stories that you see floating around the internet where it's like oh like Molly Ringwald rewatched her old movie and now she thinks it's inappropriate and I'm like you could do that with literally every movie from the 80s you could just get the main actor to watch it and then ask them what do they think is inappropriate about it now and make a new story every day <laughs> 16 Candles you could ask the Asian kid oh yeah and he would yeah. be like, "Oh, that was that was super racist, but they gave me a bunch of money." Yeah, yeah. You can ask him. You can ask uh, Anthony to Michael Hall about him essentially date raping the uh, prom queen. Uh, you could, you could, uh, yeah. I don't know. There's all kinds of shit in that. I mean, Revenge of the Nerds is one of my favorite. Movies, oh yeah, and it's it's pretty bad. It's, <laughs> it is it is awful. You're like, oh, oh no, I used. To these are the guys I'm supposed to be rooting for. It's really hard to root for them now. But I mean, come on. You still laugh your ass off because you have that nostalgic feeling and you're like, yeah, but this was this was this in the 80s. He's kind of had to go with it. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently Noah does not agree. Yeah, no, no, it's true. I mean, you got to... There's this whole thing of I can enjoy it because it's fake, mm. but... It's upsetting because I know for a fact that, especially the first time I would have watched it, I didn't understand how bad it was. <laughs> yeah, instead, I'm just like, oh, I think Michael Hall got to sleep with the prom queen because she was super drunk. That's awesome. Now I'm like, I don't know if that's awesome. Uh, let's get back to body horror. <laughs> let's get yeah. back to. Jeff Goldblum's face sloughing off. 
Right. That is way more appropriate. Let's talk about his wanting his wanting to abduct a woman and splice their genes together, fusing them into one being. More appropriate than most eighties movies. Not just her genes, but also their unborn baby's genes as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, at one point he's like, All three of us could just be one big happy family and I'm like, I don't know if you're using those words right. He's like, We'll be extra human, don't you understand? Right now I'm like half person, half fly. We'll be like one and a half people and a half fly. <laughs> Math does not work that way. Yeah. Uh, what about the uh, the nightmare that Gina Davis has? She gives birth to a giant maggot. Oh yeah, it's awesome. That's pretty pleasant. We get to see David Cronenberg as the doctor delivering it. It's so good. <laughs> it's Cron- so is so good at just gross <laughs> yeah yeah he really does this movie does a, a great job of um, just making you feel icky while you watch it which is exactly what he's trying to do right mm-hmm. it's so weird that this is like a mainstream movie because it's just, it's so different from what you would expect yeah <laughs> the funny thing is do, do either one of you I'm sure you probably do but maybe the listeners don't uh, realized that this was produced by Mel Brooks. Yeah, I, I'd heard that. I, I did not know that one. It's a little weird. Yeah, yeah. He he purposely didn't want his name on it because he was worried people would think it was funny. Gonna be gonna be like a goofy movie. Yeah, and it still got out. And so apparently, at like one of the very first screenings, the theater handed out like fly antenna like headbands like you put them on you know and they're on springs and like bounce around because <laughs> they thought it was going to be like oh it's a Mel Brooks movie it's going to be like a nice funny thing and then apparently the audience sat in stark terror the entire movie because it was not what they thought it was going to be can you imagine like a bunch of soccer moms going like oh we could all use a good laugh we'll go see the new Mel Brooks film and they're all like lined up and they got the kids with them <laughs> oh children oh my uh, god <laughs> you just vomit on a donut. Uh, Don't yeah, worry, but, the vomiting on the donut is just foreshadowing for when he vomits on that dude's hand and melts it later. Which is just foreshadowing for the less well done sequel where it vomits on a guy's face. <laughs> yeah, let's. Uh, I guess let's talk about the sequel. Do either one of you remember much about the sequel? little bits. I remember it has to do with fly puberty, basically. Yeah, I, I'm actually a fan of the sequel. I think it's better than people give it credit for. It's not as good as the original, obviously. Yeah. But Plot-wise, it holds up pretty well. It's The acting, if I recall, is pretty good, and it's, it's basically just, you know, again, the kid tries to recreate his dad's experiments. He, gets, he turns into a fly. Mm-hmm. Except this time, there's like Instead of there being evil like newspaper men trying to track him down, there's evil corporate overlords trying to take advantage yeah. of them. Well, I noticed in this movie when she was asking him where he got his funding from, he mentioned that that uh, he gets funding from a company, but he's so his experiments are so cheap that it doesn't they don't really care what he does. Yeah. And he's like and I think he said like and plus I mean even if I come up with something good, uh, they're gonna end up owning it anyway. Yeah. So I think that sort of set up the idea for the sequel where they 
they uh, own his kid. Yeah. Basically own his genetics. That's a little weird, the fact that they own his kid in the next yeah. movie. And that's not ever properly explained, I don't think. Mm-hmm. And it's also uh, a little weird that their plan is to, like, in the sequel, their plan is, hey, this kid will be just as smart as his dad, so we just keep him around till he's old enough. He'll be able to fix, figure out his dad's experiments. Yeah, and I don't... I know he ages, like, super fast yeah. in the sequel, which I'm going to assume is some sort of genetic thing with the house flies since they... And now, he's they, going to fly puberty. Yeah, it's since actually, it's actually consistent with the Return of the Fly or Revenge of the Fly, whatever it's called, from like the original mm-hmm. series, is the kid in that is using a serum to prevent himself from aging quickly because he ages at a fly's pace. Oh, okay. So, nice. <clears throat> yeah, I remember there's, enjoying there's actually, it. There's actually like a few tributes in that movie to the original um, thing. I think the name is taken from one of the characters in the original and stuff like that. So. Uh, yeah, I remember enjoying it because I just revisited a couple years ago and uh, liked it. Eric Stoltz plays the son. He's usually pretty good in stuff, so um, I just remember being really upset when they sent the dog through. Mm-hmm. And I still am. And then, <laughs> and then I remember the, the main bad guy gets put through at the end. Yep. And ends up just this weird, like, mishmash blob of and they make him go live in the pen where the dog was living that whole time yeah yeah so gross it is the one thing that the the sequel um one of the complaints i would have about it is that they do go full happy ending where he does figure out the technology and he's able to Mm -hmm. sort of separate himself from yeah the fly and it's like that's a little weird right decide to go that way with this series but I guess you can't have it end in exactly the same way as the first one did either so no uh, anything else before we move on I will point out that the sequel has one of the best puns in movie history in it when they go and visit the guy from the first movie and is a, he's all fucked up from getting vomited on and he's like yeah I knew your father that, that cost me an arm and a leg and he's got his arms <laughs> all fucked up and his legs all fucked up and I'm going to laugh out loud every time I watch that movie. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. All right, we did get one piece of feedback. Feedback. As uh, my arch nemesis Brian writes in, he says, "Hey guys, so every year around this time, I attempted to do a movie a day for October, and usually I get two or three in, and that's it. Well, since I'm up much later for the time being, don't know what that means. Uh, I'm giving it a real honest." To goodness shot so thanks to doug for picking awesome movies for this week i thought i'd start off with the fly films never seen the fly 1958 and i gotta say i was really impressed i was taken aback by the opening shot and how gruesome it was yeah. not what i was expecting at all and the reveal of his transformed head was jarring 
And of course, the final help me scene was is the stuff of nightmares. Now, The Fly 1986 is a textbook's example of how to do a remake right. Grotesque, unsettling, and heartbreaking. Honestly, probably in my opinion, the best remake along with John Carpenter's The Thing. Even though I may, even though I may have heard it's actually a sequel to The Thing from Another World, but I could be wrong. So, as far as I'm concerned, it's a remake. Anybody else ever hear that too? That it's more like a sequel to the original thing? I've heard that argument, but I don't buy it. I don't either. Uh, I also just watched Tales of Halloween. It's a 10 director anthology along the same lines as Trick or Treat. Each story clearly has a start and finish, whereas Trick or Treat is one seamless movie with all the stories within. Uh, the gore is great, and most of the stories are good. There are two that are forgettable, though. Lots of John Carpenter references, and Adrian Barbeau reprise, reprises her role from The Fog as the radio DJ in the wraparound story. Yeah. Uh, which have either one of you ever seen Tales of Halloween? I did, and I don't remember it. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I think I watched it last year around Halloween. But... Uh, I did. I remember enjoying it. I don't really remember any of the stories. Well, I. But, I do remember Adrian Barbeau and thinking it was genius to use her as the radio DJ. We did we did get a second piece of feedback that just says uh, from Alan, and it was sent to me personally through Facebook, and it just says "Tales of Halloween equals poor man's trick or treat." That's all. Said. <laughs> so, <laughs> so not everybody seems to think it's great. Yeah. Well, Brian continues. The thing about this movie is, I feel it's a great party movie. You can have it on the background, and the stories are simple enough to figure out what's going on, even if you can't hear it. They're only 10, 15 minutes each, so not a huge commitment. But with Trick or Treat, I actually want to sit down and watch and pay attention to it. It's so damn good. So I definitely recommend this one. Uh, you could do a lot worse. Uh, and that would be All Hallows Eve. Brian, last week you mentioned watching Terrifier. Yes, the uh, precursor to that was All Hallows Eve featuring Earth the Clown. That movie sucks. Don't watch it. That's it. I'm done. Hopefully this isn't too long. Put you guys up next week. Oh. Well, there you go. Big debate. Tales of Halloween versus Trick or Treat. Oh, come on. There's, there's, no, there's no debate, right? I was going to say, let's be honest. Trick or Treat will win every time. Yeah. Trick or Treat is probably the single best Halloween movie ever made. Ooh. Ooh, wow. That's a bold statement. I'm not saying I disagree with it. I'm just no. It's it's the perfect Halloween movie. It's I'm pretty sure Halloween is the perfect Halloween movie. No, because you could watch Halloween any time of year. That, doesn't that make it more perfect? Makes it probably a better overall movie, but not a better Halloween. Okay, I see Doug's point. Like trick or treat is just it's if you were sitting at home alone on Halloween night handing out candy, you could sit and watch it and have a great time. If you were having a Halloween party and you had a bunch of people over, you could all watch it and have a great time. It's just ideal. It's it plays on all the old classic monsters, so it kinda has that classic feel to it, but it's got that kind of sleek, fun modern setting. It's scary at times, but it's also fun to watch. It's the way the stories all kind of intermingle makes it kind of it gives you that that advantage of an anthology with the shorter stories um but at the same time not feeling like it's start and stop so you don't have to like you know it doesn't feel like it's episodes 
Yeah, I see what you mean. It, it definitely oozes an atmosphere of Halloween. Yeah. Where I agree with you, if you took the Halloween aspect out of the movie Halloween, it would still be a good movie. Yeah. Whereas if you took that out of Trick or Treat, like it would yeah. kind of fall apart. Yeah, I'm going to say Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Fuck you. <laughs> I fucking do not like that movie, and people just defend it, and their whole defense is they they put out the argument that the only reason other people don't like it is because it's not part of the series, and then they try to defend it. And I'm like, but that's doesn't matter if it's part of the series or not. It's still poorly made film. So I just I don't I don't accept that. But you like bad movies. The fact that you like bad movies does not make just them because movies. I don't like just be, no just because I like bad movie doesn't mean I don't know the difference between a bad movie and a movie that is not a bad movie. Season oh, of the Witch is you? not a bad movie. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. It's not. It is a bad movie. It's it's fucked up and it's creepy and it's got some crazy special effects in it that I fucking really like. And I just people are full of shit. It's not creepy at all. You're the, only, the only thing fuck, fuck, is creepy about that is like, <laughs> <laughs> the only thing creepy about that is the main actor because he's just all date rapey and weird. Tom Atkins. Yes. <laughs> Tom Atkins, Tom Atkins, or Tom Atkins mustache. I'm not sure who gets first billing, but he's fucking weird in that movie, and I don't, he makes me uncomfortable when he's talking to that girl all the time, and they're like in that hotel room together. I'm just like, I don't. It's upsetting. It's the only part. I think of it's the always movie. Tom Atkins featuring Tom Atkins's mustache. Is that how it's written up? I don't know how the contracts work. I think that should be how it's written. Because I would have no problem with the mustache getting top billing. It is more prominent and more recognizable. So. Do you think if he didn't have it, they would have to bill him as mustacheless Tom Atkins? <laughs> if he didn't have it, he just wouldn't get hired for the role, and this would be a non-issue. Legally. They'd be legally required to note that he does not have the requisite mustache reverse... to be considered Tom Atkins in this film. <laughs> it's a reverse Justice League situation where they've just got to, like, no, you can't. We can't film this till you go get a mustache. <laughs> I don't know. He didn't have one in the in the fog. He was still badass. You're right. I should rewatch. Uh, I suppose <laughs> we, we actually do have one more piece of feedback on the uh, the Facebook oh. from uh, Edward Delgado. He said, "Hey guys, just wanted to let you know I love the show. Been listening for about two years." And I don't know why it took me so long to write some feedback. Anyway, love the show. Going to watch I Bought a Fan's Empire Motorcycle tonight. Thanks to the show. Cheers. Which the answer to that is yes. Everyone should watch I Bought a Vampire Motorcycle. I tend to agree with that. Mm, that's why no, I know I wanted to read that one. I am curious as to how he's going to watch it. Because <laughs> it was hard for us to find. So. Mm, or maybe in Europe might be easier to find other places. That's become a new thing now. When I add movies to our list, I see if I can find them somewhere streaming before I put them on the list because I don't want to go through that where we've already announced oh. the movie and then it's hard to find. I'll tell you what, though. Every time I fucking do that, by the time we go to watch it, the fucking stream's gone, and that makes me even angrier that I have a harder time finding it, so I quit doing that. Oh, yeah, there's been a bunch where I've, like, because they're just on YouTube, so I just put them in the 
to watch later list and then when you go back it just shows that deleted video symbol which i wish they wouldn't even show that just put nothing there <laughs> like <laughs> they're just rubbing it in youtube <laughs> like yeah you wanted to watch this but we deleted it about copyright bullshit like how but i mean i don't know again i get back to my point is like if it's on youtube i don't feel bad watching it i assume no. it's allowed to. yeah that's youtube's problem <sighs> Which movie uh, was it? One of the movies we watched, somebody threw it up in the Facebook group, a link that it was like the whole movie, but in reverse. And somebody had put that on YouTube. The Wraith. For some reason. The Wraith, that's, that's right. Yeah. It was like, what the fuck? Who did that? And why? And how? And There's actually, you know what the funny thing is, is while I was on YouTube the other day, I noticed there's a bunch of other movies that are the exact same thing. And I wonder if it's not there specifically so that you could use a... Uh, a video capture mod, you know what I mean? One of the things that lets you pull videos off of YouTube mm-hmm. and then use a film editor just to reverse it. And then you've got the movie. That must be the goal, right? There must be instructions somewhere on how to easily do that. Yeah. It's weird to do that with a movie like The Wraith, which is like, it was not hard to find a perfectly legal streaming version of that for free elsewhere on the internet. As... If, if people spent as much time and money on movies as they spend on stealing movies <laughs> the independent film business would be booming because yeah that's what's holding the independent film business back is people watching 1986 charlie sheen movies <laughs> for free on youtube is <laughs> whenever they're spending all their money on computers and shit anyways Walker, well, how did we get here <laughs> Stupid capitalism. Thank you for your email, Brian with an I. Is that what we're supposed to be saying right now? <laughs> uh, it's whatever one Noah just read. Brian okay. did. I just um, Noah, like somebody liked a movie. Somebody's going to watch a movie that I recommended. Everyone must know. Yeah, that's pretty much it. No, I was just saying because he specifically said in it that it was feedback, which I consider feedback. Okay. Yeah, but he technically didn't go through the f- traditional feedback route. Sending an email. Yeah, we can't so. start reading everything everybody posts to Facebook. <laughs> I didn't. They don't normally say feedback in them. That's nah, fair I enough. Know. I know. I'm just keeping messing around. And since he's a new guy, figured out uh, throwing the flag. Plus, he said two years, which means he's actually fans of you guys and just has to put up with my bullshit now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> actually, just a big fan of Scott waiting for him to come back. He's like, oh, God, I'll put up with one more episode. <laughs> We had somebody doing that. I don't know if they if they still listen or not. <laughs> we used to send a message every once in a while, like, is Scott going to come back anytime soon? And I'm like, nope. nope. Six months later, is Scott coming back? I'm like, like, nope. They think it's just a really long-running joke. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, this is funny. Scott goes on vacation. They bring in this other asshole. They look like Scott's been... Jeez, they, they really went through a lot of work, what with renaming it changing the format and discussing a whole different kind of movies. Like, <laughs> yeah, this is our long con for everybody. Yeah. Five, five year mark. We're going to tell everybody it was all a joke. It's all a joke. <laughs> I just bring Scott in and he's secretly recorded an opinion on every movie we've discussed over that period. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Uh, uh, did anybody watch anything since last week? couple things so i actually just sat down and uh 
reread Quote Fingers because it was an audio book, but uh, I Am Legend. Yeah, okay. which is awesome. So I decided to uh, rewatch the Vincent Price's uh, Last Man on Earth. Still the best telling of that story yet. Mm-hmm. Man, and it is not remotely close to the story, though. Kind of is, though. It, it's close-ish, but... It's the closest of the versions. <laughs> it is. That's the, it's depressing that it is because man, that fucking story's so good. But they keep that. Um, they keep that ending, which is everybody else has walked away from, right? Although I've never seen Omega Man. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. The ending's still a little different. It's not as bleak as it is in the book. <laughs> it's been a while since I read the book. The book. The book ends with them pretty much executing. Right. Like, in public. And Last Man on Earth ends with him, like, attacking him, drinking his blood. And which his blood is the cure, so, ah, fuck them! <laughs> the fools! I do but, love Last Man on Earth. As, yeah, as do I. It's real, it's real, real good. I just wish, I wish that a film would do a more bleak and faithful adaptation because like the the Will Smith one just didn't fucking come close. Mega Man's pretty good but it's different. And then Last Man on Earth is really good but it's not. It's because of the tone you know it's got that old movie tone and it doesn't match up to the story because that story's like fucking shit. It's it rips your heart out every fucking chance it gets. Yeah. That, that is a, a dark fucking story. But so I watched that, and then I didn't get to finish it yet, but I started watching uh, Death Race Beyond Anarchy. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, so far, it's pretty fucking awesome. It, I just love that they did a remake of Death Race, and then it spawned like 10 sequels. <laughs> Yeah, I and do. Then, and then Roger Corman still puts out a direct one sequel to Death Race, like a couple years ago. The funny thing is, I don't even. The, it, this is like Death Race Four, if I understand it correctly, and it doesn't. I, I've only seen a couple of the other ones, and it doesn't fucking match up with them at all. So it's really not a fucking sequel. It's just another fucking weird remake. Yeah, it's that. 80s sequel that's just completely unconnected from the original. Yeah, but it's got Danny Trejo in it, and it's uh, I don't know, it's it's violent and ridiculous, and there's a bunch of nudity, and part of the beginning of the movie is like a fucking metal music video for no fucking reason. Like literally, I mean, like there's a band that it's cutting between while showing other stuff. That sounds right to me. Like, they were like, we can film this movie, but you have to, you know, bring in my brother Jethro's metal band and do their music video while shooting the movie. I like those names, Jethro. That was a really nice touch to that story. (laughs) But so far, like I said, I'm about halfway through it. It's pretty awesome. I dig it. Violence, violence, boobs. Uh, It doesn't really have the same uh, pretenses that the fucking first couple remake Death Race movies did where they were trying to be like, no! It's just darker and grittier and more serious. Haha, it's not a joke. And this one, it's like, well, it's dark and gritty and bloody, but it's also fucking stupid, so we can do whatever the fuck we want. 
And I'm like, yeah, that's the best of both worlds. You recognize that you're making shit. Bring in Danny Trejo. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't go badmouthing Danny Trejo like that. I'm not badmouthing Danny Trejo. I'm just saying you can put Danny Trejo in fucking anything. So if you're making a shitty movie, you might as well hire Danny Trejo. <laughs> Hey, they they paid Danny Trejo's uh, mortgage for a month or two, so thank you for keeping Danny Trejo in his house. Yeah, that's what I'm about. I don't think Danny Trejo is suffering at this point. Probably not. But Plus, we don't know how much money he put away from his first career as a blatant criminal, so he might still, <laughs> he might still be living off that. We don't know. We don't know what the pension plan is like there. So probably not too bueno. <laughs> One of the nicest people I've ever met when I got a chance to meet him, though. I've heard that from a lot of people, actually. Yeah. I bet, like, interviews and stuff I've seen with him, he seems like the most genuine fucking personal plan. Oh, he is. He's, like, super cool. What I want to know is, is he too cooler than uh, Tim Capello? Because that's, that's what I want to know. <laughs> yes. He, he still tops in my book. That dude's a cool motherfucker. <laughs> With his leather cod piece while wearing jeans. Gotta be boiling. Boiling. Noah's got a boyfriend. Hey. Listen. You've you've seen him gyrate. Uh, Did you watch anything else, Noah? (laughs) Uh, A whole bunch of uh, Orange is the New Black. I'm on like season four. And for the most part, the show's like... uh, comedy show with serious moments in it, right? But season four gets real fucking bleak all of a sudden. Like, it's dark and depressing, and it it goes from being mostly comedy with some serious stuff in it to being all serious stuff where people crack jokes every once in a while. But I still got fucking 25 seasons to go to catch back up, so... But that's it. So, the end. What about you, Doug? Uh, a couple things. Let's see. First thing I watched, The Boogeyman from either 1979 or 1980. Depends on where you check. Not sure why people don't know when this came out. Uh, you guys heard this one or seen this one? Uh, I know of it from the trailer compilation DVDs I have, yeah. but I've never watched it. I went in pure blind on it, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, Plotline is basically the opening scenes. There's these like kids being basically abused, like they're by their mom's boyfriend. One kid's all tied up, so his sister goes and gets a uh, a knife, brings it to him to cut him free. He picks up the knife, proceeds to head down to the uh, bedroom and stab the shit out of mom's boyfriend. <laughs> so that'll teach him for abusing us. <laughs> um, and what happens is there's this really cool shot, which is it's actually really neat to watch, where the sister kind of turns her back, and these are little kids, like they're supposed to be like three and four years old, kind of thing. So she turns her back, she doesn't want to watch her brother stab a guy to death at that age, and she ends up watching, looking at a mirror and seeing it happen like in the mirror, and it's really well done. And I had no idea until later that that was that that was an extremely important plot point. Um, because the movie then cuts to 20 years later and um, the, 
kids are now living with an aunt and uncle, I think, and the, the sister's married, and the whole family kind of lives together on this farm. The brothers uh, is revealed he is, hasn't spoken since the night of the killing. The sister is also having some emotional issues as a result of it. She ends up going to a counselor and stuff. Uh, long and short of it is the husband takes the sister to the old house. Uh, the aforementioned mirror is still there. And at that point, this sort of becomes an I bought a vampire mirror story where the evil mirror <laughs> starts killing people in clever, fun ways. Um, and yeah, if you wanted to watch people die but by way of a possessed mirror, it it's a really fun slasher where the, the killer is a mirror. Um, <laughs> and that's kind of a spoiler because they do sort of tease that maybe it's the brother that's responsible for some of the killings and stuff. But it becomes pretty obvious pretty quick that it's not. So they end up with this smashed mirror in the in their house and like at various points like parts of it fall out because it's been smashed and they get stuck on somebody's shoes so now wherever that guy goes they can kill people there <laughs> um, it sounds ridiculous but like I say there are several of the kills are quite fun um, and the movie's a bit crazy but it was possibly the 80s possibly the late 70s depending on which <laughs> which source you check so it all kind of just makes sense hmm. So I actually like I would recommend it if you're a fan of horror films from that time, like early slashers. Um, you're watching it for the kills, not for really any other reason. But, mm-hmm. I was yeah. curious checking it out after seeing the trailer on one of those DVDs. It it's pretty fucking weird, but what it sounds I, like it? Yeah, like I don't know if that's a bad thing, right? Like it's, um, I don't know. Like like I say, the kills are good, and that's all your. That's what's fun about it. So. Hmm. Some of the acting in it is pretty atrocious. Specifically, the performance from like the guy that plays like the uncle or whatever that they live with. I, I think that's just somebody's real uncle. I'm pretty sure that's not an actor. I don't know. <laughs> so. Nice. So then, speaking of weird, <laughs> I went to the theaters and saw the movie A Simple Favor. Oh yeah. Is the reason that I went and saw it well it's because it's uh, well, it Paul Feig directed right yeah. and he usually does comedies and now he's going to do this sort of thriller and that had me curious like I, can he do that um, turns out yeah like it's a pretty good movie but it's super fucking weird um, <laughs> it's like the, the basic plot line is like Anna Kendrick plays this like perky like perfect mom who runs like a mom blog where she gives recipes to the other moms and stuff and then her uh, she befriends like Lively's character who's supposed to be the kind of the bitchy like career woman type and they uh, basically it comes down to the fact that one day Blake Lively calls and says hey can you pick up my kid from school because I'm stuck at the office and then Blake Lively never comes back and that's your setup, right? It's like they're trying to figure out, okay, what happened to her? Mm-hmm. But we get tons of weird, like, backstories where nobody is quite what they seem. Like, we sort of get these weird reveals, and there's an incest subplot, and there's a 
turns out a lot of this is all about insurance fraud and there are twins and triplets that you don't know about until later in the movie and everybody has a twisted back past and it's but what's really weird is it's a Paul Feig film so we're getting this weird incest storyline that culminates in like a murder suicide but it's sort of like pleasant to watch for lack of a better term <laughs> it's it's like surprisingly lighthearted and like the music isn't like all dark and serious the way you would expect these types of plot lines to work out so it was weird and awkward to watch the whole time I'm like I don't know like I don't know how you're supposed to take it when you've got like like Anna Kendrick being Anna Kendrick I don't know her from a lot because I don't watch the kinds of movies she's usually in but you know she's that pleasant perky personality that she is in everything sort of quirky and off a little bit and then when you start all of a sudden it's her character that we re- we find out that she had like a sexual relationship with her own brother in the movie and it's like when that gets revealed you're just like oh well that's strange and then as that plays out you're like shouldn't this be like darker and creepier why are we like talking about this like it's a normal thing that happens in this weird movie universe that they've set up and it's like ostensibly this is a movie about her watching her friend's kid that doesn't seem right anymore i don't know (laughs) i was mildly curious about that one too yeah i like it's I don't know if I'd go so far as to say it's like a really good movie, but it's not like anything I've seen before, which is to me that's a huge compliment. Like if you can be sort of unique and original, considering how many movies come out over the past, you know, hundred years, I think that's worthwhile. So I don't know, take that for what you will. I don't know if I'm recommending it to people or not. <laughs> but it's yeah, I mean it's the one thing I will say is like like I say, Anna Kendrick is basically doing Anna Kendrick. I, mostly I know her from the movie 50-50, mm-hmm. which was with Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Seth Rogen. That's mainly where I know her from, and then I'm aware of the fact that she's in all these really girly movies that I don't watch. Um, but she's she's basically acting the way I expect her to act. But Blake Lively is really, really good in this movie. And I, I've seen her, in like, and basically I know her from The Town, and I know her from whatever the shark movie was that she was in because if there's a shark in a movie I generally end up watching it <laughs> um, but what what I'm noticing is she's like a really good actress because she plays like a very different character in all three of those movies and she does a really good job in all three of those movies which is pretty impressive and I don't know maybe she's like, like again I don't know her from a lot but I guess she's a really good actress so that's interesting married to Ryan Reynolds that's does that make you a better or worse actress? I don't know. Oh, I mean, if we've learned anything from the Fly movies, he's injecting his DNA into her. So, okay, so that's what you think. So she's just yeah. gonna get she's gonna get funnier and more Canadian as time goes yeah. by. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, so let's see. I watched that, and the other thing I watched, which I think you've seen as well, Brian, is uh, mm-hmm. I watched Hold the Dark, yep. a new Netflix film. The new Jeremy Saulnier Netflix film. Yes. Did you watch this, uh, Noah? I did not. Son of a bitch. Yeah, so, I mean, I've talked time and time again that Blue Ruin is one of my favorite movies of the last bunch of years. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves Green Room, including me. And, you mm-hmm. know, so I was super excited to watch this one. 
I didn't realize it had come out. I think until you posted something saying you'd watched it. So right yeah, away, I, I'm like, yeah. I only, I think someone reminds. I saw someone post something on Facebook, and I was like, oh shit, that did come out today. So I immediately just was like, well, I got nothing going on. So that's what I'm doing tonight. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's really, it's uh, directed by Jeremy Saulnier. It's written by Macon Blair, who was the, um, he was the lead actor in Blue Bruin, but he's also, he wrote and directed, uh, I don't feel at home in this world anymore, mm-hmm. which I talked about a while back. And so I was really curious to, to see how that worked, like a script, because his, his previous script was so kind of lighthearted. To see, I knew Jeremy Saulnier wasn't going to make a lighthearted film. <laughs> I kind yeah. of pieced that together based on what I've seen so far. So I was curious how it was going to work. Um, but yeah, basic plot line is <laughs> nice try. Hmm? <laughs> I said good luck. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I was I was actually going to start and then let you take over. I was going to try to subtly hint that it was your job to tell us the plot. <laughs> um, so. All right, so it's Alaska, and a a writer who writes about wolves gets a letter from a woman saying, okay, in, in this little village, several children have been eaten by wolves, and, like, nobody's doing anything about it. You're a wolf expert. Can you come up here and, like, kill the fucking wolf that killed my kid? Yeah. Yeah, they, they posited that it's not just eaten by wolves. Like, the wolves come into the little village, drag the child off into the forest, and then a pack of wolves essentially dine on them is the way that it's sort of presented. Yeah, and it's I think they're saying it's about three kids that this has happened to, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's the third mother, she's like, fuck this shit. So she calls this guy in. He gets there. It's weird. Put it that way. <laughs> and then... He figures out like something's not right, um, and he discovers that she has the body of her kid in her house. Like that kid was never eaten by wolves at all. She killed that kid herself, right? Mm-hmm. So he notifies the authorities. She runs off. Simultaneously, her husband is in Iraq, and he's a different sort of character. We so we meet him. We meet him. <laughs> We meet him on a battlefield and we see that he's like, he's capable, he's badass, he's able to take care of himself on a battlefield. Um, but then when we get back to, they're in the whatever wacky town that they're in, he full on murders one of his fellow soldiers who he finds raping a woman, proceeds to just casually hand the knife that he stabbed the guy with <laughs> to the woman, like, if you want to finish him off, go ahead or whatever. I don't he's just like his weird sense of like I can't let this happen but I'm just kind of okay with letting you take the heat for killing him I guess uh, he's then injured in like a sniper attack sent home finds out that his wife killed his kid and he's now so he basically for some reason that I'm still not 100% sure about <laughs> kills all the police involved um, and then goes on uh basically a revenge mission against the wife. Um, mm-hmm. So the cops then go looking for him, find his best friend, buddy, whoever he's supposed to be, hauled up at home, we get one serious shootout. Oh my god, a, that was a, amazing. A whole city of Alaskan 
cops and this one guy with like a like a fifty cal that he happens to have upstairs in his uh house. Which was pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. And then so now you basically end up with the like one remaining cop and the writer from the beginning of the story are gone in search of this guy who's gone in search of his wife. And then things get so weird that I don't know how to explain the end of the film. <laughs> Uh yeah, you actually went a lot. You actually went a lot further than I would have, but uh, like, uh, and, and I had to give all that detail because I don't know how to explain the plot without giving every detail. It's like yeah, and I still don't know how to explain the plot. Like I still don't think I fully understand what happened at the end. Like I feel like I need to go back and rewatch like the last twenty minutes. I did. I still don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I'm probably going to end up rewatching this movie because I liked it enough that I want to understand. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was like the ending is like they end up at this like hot springs that kind of came up a few times throughout the movie, mm-hmm. and the guy who's been trying to hunt down his wife. But there's this weird subplot involving masks that I didn't get into because I don't really know what the masks are. But then when they get there, he doesn't kill her. So then what happens? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. So, yeah, I mean, which... Sounds confusing. It's it un- very confusing. It's unfortunate that the ending is confusing. Um, because the movie's, like, really well made. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's I probably, the best, probably the best looking of all of his movies. Yeah, like, and that... Like, for... For Jeremy Saulnier's style, that sort of like slow-paced kind of like everything is a little dark and everything like that. For that style, like putting it in Alaska is just it, it's a great idea. Mm-hmm. It suits perfectly because he can insert these shots of just the wilderness and just create that sense of loneliness and despair that I assume everyone in Alaska feels at all times because it's just you're so far removed yeah. from civilization kind of thing. Yeah, and like when characters are like outside during the day, like the picture's kind of washed out some because of yeah. so so much like white snow everywhere. Yeah. But then when they're inside at night, you get like this yellow, like orangish kind of glow. Because everything's, like- everything's kind of an artificial light there because this, if they mention the sun goes down at like three in the afternoon or something. Yeah. Yeah, and so, I mean, it's just, yeah, there's a lot of cool contrast and everything, and it looks fantastic. Yeah. and I, just, uh, I need to sit down and rewatch it to see if I can figure out what the fuck the ending means. I really like the performance, too, from the lead actors. Jeffrey Wright, is that his name? Yeah. He's from, like, I don't know him from much except for uh, Westworld, but mm-hmm. he's really good in this. And he's, he's a good character actor that's been around for a long time, but yeah. it seems like... Uh, Seems like he uh, he's getting a lot of like more leading character work based off of like Westworld and stuff like that. Yeah, so he's he's a really strong actor in this, and there's like there's great moments in this movie. Like when he's out, so he's out in the woods. He's tracked down this pack of wolves that he's planning to kill, and he takes aim at them, and then he stops and doesn't kill them starts heading back to town and you're like what the fuck just happened but then like 
several scenes later, after he's discovered the body of the kid and a bunch of other stuff has happened, he's casually chatting with somebody and he's talking about the behavior of the wolves. And he explains in dialogue, like, what the wolves were doing that caused him to realize that they haven't been eating people, <laughs> which is weird, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he's like, obviously they didn't eat, because like, it ends up being that the wolves are eating one of the wolf pups. And he explains that they wouldn't be doing that unless they were desperately hungry. And it doesn't make any sense that they would have then have re- recently killed and eaten a human, a full human boy. Like, it doesn't make sense, right? But they don't tell you that in the moment. They tell you that way later in the movie. And they tie it into this overall theme of, like, is it okay to kill one member of the group, especially, like, a young member, in order to help the rest of the group survive, which I think plays into the ending that I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. Maybe I assume it plays into the ending that I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess we should mention that the reason the lady wrote to him is because he's, like, a... Uh, like an expert on wolves or whatever. Yeah. Like he went out into nature and like studied wolves and wrote like this couple of books about them and like all this stuff, which is why him understanding their behavioral methods plays into a lot of stuff and it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, like I enjoy the movie, but again, I need to rewatch it to see if I can figure out if I love the movie. Yeah, I, I, lots of weird stuff happens like in the last 20 minutes yeah like they go into that hut where that guy like I don't know what he does he he just sits in a hut all day making masks and then giving advice mm-hmm. and I don't understand if that's a job in Alaska I don't maybe there's some weird government program where you can get paid to do that <laughs> but it's like <laughs> once that guy comes into play I'm like I don't know what's happening anymore hmm and I, it's like okay, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, if you're a fan of Jeremy Saulnier, uh, it's on Netflix. Definitely yeah. worth a watch. And if you do watch it and you understand it, uh, <laughs> email us the, the midnight drive in at gmail.com <laughs> and help us to understand what happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, help me and Doug out. We need help. Like uh, the, yeah, looked looked great. Performances are great all around. I wish mm-hmm. I understood the movie. It's almost like maybe it's a little bit too smart for its own good. Yeah, or too dumb for its own good, whichever one. And I'm hoping that's not the problem, since I love like his other movies so much. Yeah, and, and knowing his other movies makes me think it's smarter than, and there's something I'm missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, I forgot that he's going to be part of. Uh, True Detective season three, right? I think originally he was supposed to be like the lead, lead, uh, sort of lead director or whatever on the series, like they did with Kerry Fukunawa the first season. But I think that got downgraded, and he only directs two episodes. But I'm still curious to uh, see that because I feel like his style would really mesh really well with. The True Detective series. I never ended up watching season two of True Detective. Uh, it's okay. The problem is they tried to do, I think, too much. Okay. So they're, you're following too many characters. Whereas, I mean, the first season, it was really just Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey were the only yeah. two. 
And the they first try to, season is so good too. It'd oh, be hard, yeah. to, hard to follow it up. Yeah. And I mean, in the second season, they're following like three or four characters, and I feel like they just kind of shot themselves in the foot trying to spread themselves, spread, spread in too many directions at once. They should have narrowed their focus down a little bit. But I don't know. We'll see. I'm excited for season three. Hopefully it'll be good. Yeah, fingers crossed. Now, speaking uh, of TV, TV shows that you're excited yeah. for, have you seen the first pictures of The Mandalorian? Uh, Just like a couple. Yeah, it looks pretty know. badass, though. I've heard that it's supposed to be like a almost like a Western set. Like in the outer rims of the galaxy or something. Yeah, it and the like the first pictures of him with like the shotgun looking thing on his back. Like, yo, I'm sold 100 percent on that show now. So, yeah, the Mandalorians are supposed to be extinct. Eric Rage. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't know when this is set. So it's set. Uh, it's set between uh, between the two. Between episode six and episode seven. Oh, yeah. So, like, supposedly, rich, I guess. yeah. And the Mandalorians were wiped out during the old. But that's stuff of legends at this point, right? Yeah. So it's not considered. Well, it's called canon. the Mandalorian. So maybe there was one left. Like he's like the last, last gunfighter. I don't know. He looks fucking badass with his Boba Fett helmet and his shotgun on his back. And <laughs> I'm super excited for it. And they released yeah. like the names of some of the directors too. And I can't remember who it is off the top of my head, but I'm getting super excited about that. Yeah, I'm looking at the picture right now. It does look really cool. Yeah, it'll probably be good. Even despite your nerd rage? Yeah, I just had to point that out. No, but they. If I they, don't mind it. They can come up with some excuse that some like group of Mandalorians survived somewhere. But again, though, like you're you're quoting stuff that is not considered canon, so it, I, I can understand if you're frustrated about the fact that they maybe changed what what qualified as canon. But that has to. I think I think technically that is canon because because it has to do with some of the video games, and the video games came out post them establishing the fact that everything after that point was canon. Is that correct? Oh, yeah, I don't I believe, know. I believe so. I don't know. I like the idea of if they got if they got rid of it, it would be really fucking upsetting because the story of the fall of the Mandalorians is really fun. No, we'll see. I I don't know. I'm going off the picture and the names of some of the directors involved, thinking it's pretty cool. That's all I know. Uh, looks like the list of directors. Uh, the big one they just announced was uh, Taika Waititi, who did uh, yeah. Thor, Thor Ragnarok, and who was just all around awesome anyway. Um, apparently, Bryce Dallas Howard's directing an episode. That's weird. Yeah. Well, maybe not. Maybe she's a great director. Um, Dave Filani. Don't know who that is. Apparently, he worked on. Some of the like Clone Wars and Rebels cartoons. Yeah, that's uh, people are pretty excited about that. Yeah, uh, Colin Wilson and Karen Gilchrist, who apparently will be the first female to direct a live-action Star Wars project. 
So that's cool. Hmm. Yeah, I guess I didn't really pay much attention to it. So, but I'm excited. I'm excited for any uh, live action Star Wars stuff they do. I guess. I really wish I had had it in me to go back and rewatch all those cartoon series. Hmm. I've seen parts of Clone Wars. I've never seen any Rebels. I trust that it's good. People tell me it's good. I've seen clips of it, and I, I can tell the action, and it's good. But I just have trouble motivating myself to sit down and watch cartoons for some reason. So it's my, just my a character problem, I have. Especially Clone Wars, everybody keeps telling me how good it is, and I've tried to do it several times, and it, I don't care what people say. The, the beginning is garbage. Like, the first few seasons fucking terrible. They're like unwatchable trash. And then they're always like, yeah, but it gets good in the fourth season. You just gotta power through and it's like, I'm not gonna watch three seasons of shit to get to a fourth, fifth season. That's fucking ridiculous. And I'm not just gonna jump into the fourth season because then I don't know what the fuck happened to lead up to it. See, I wouldn't go as far as to say that it's unwatchable in the beginning. I definitely I would, would say that it's, um, not good. It doesn't suck me in and cause me to want to sit and watch that much more. But yeah, I watched like half of the first season. I remember enjoying it, but I don't. Uh, it's sort of the same thing. It was not like something that I was super excited to keep watching. So yeah, maybe someday I'll go back and rewatch it. Uh, did you watch anything else? Uh, no, it's all I watched. Uh. Entertainment Weekly put out new pictures of the Pet Cemetery remake. I saw that picture of the cat. Yeah, there's a picture of the cat. There's a picture of uh, John Lithgow and his Judd role. He looks good, man. With the yeah. big beard. Got a nice big beard on him. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm curious to see uh, how it goes. I'm not like... I don't feel like it, this movie is like dying for a remake, but... I'm not. Uh, I'm not like upset that they're doing it. So, yeah, curious to see what they're going to come up with. Plus, I like uh, John Lithgow. So, oh, let's see. I watched the only other thing I watched besides Hold the Dark is I went and saw Hellfest, which just came out last week, and will probably be gone by next week because it did horribly at the box office. Uh, but I rather enjoyed it. Um, so it's a group of college kids that are sort of, uh, one, one, one of them's coming to like visit her friend and it's, they haven't seen each other in a while because college has been like busy for both of them. Uh, and so one of, one of their friends gets them tickets to go to like this Hellfest event, which looks fucking awesome imagine like a traveling um traveling giant haunted house theme park so imagine like Lollapalooza or something if it was like a traveling show still but it's just like multiple levels of uh haunted houses and like raves and like horror stuff that you could go and just like enjoy for like a, a night or a weekend or something. <clears throat> and then there's like different levels to the haunted houses. Like they start with like sort of the tame, like generic ones where you walk through, people jump out at you, you go, ah, and then you know, you move on. 
and then it moves up to the ones where you have to like sign waivers because the the actors can like touch you and stuff like that. So, of course, they're all excited to go and they want to sort of go to the extreme one that's at the very end and stuff. So it's them going throughout the park and just going through all these haunted houses. Little do they know, there's somebody who randomly came into the park that we see from an opening scene has done this before. And he'll sort of focus on like one person and then stalk them around the park. And then so it essentially just turns into like a slasher movie with this guy like following them throughout all these haunted houses and stuff at this park. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was just a fun slasher movie. It's not going to change your life or anything, but I just had a good time with it. Um, like I said, made like $5 million this weekend. So that's not good, but it had a really low budget. So hopefully it at least uh, will do halfway decent because it does set it up for a sequel and I would totally watch another one. Um, but yeah, if you've been on the fence, I would say if you're into slasher movies, I would go give Hellfest a chance because I thoroughly enjoyed it. So That sounds really promising because good slasher movies are hard to come by these days. Mm-hmm. Especially theatrical. Which, uh, yeah. Because they put out like a trailer for it and then they put out a trailer that was edited to look like an 80s movie trailer. Awesome. And I was like, well, okay, they obviously know what they're going for, so I will totally go see that movie. And uh, I enjoyed it. Like I said, it's it's nothing revolutionary, it's nothing new, but it's a guy who starts killing off a group of teenagers in uh, interesting ways. And uh, I was on board and enjoyed it. And Amanda enjoyed it too. So, recommend. Uh, and then I guess lastly, I started watching season two of Ozark. Either okay. one of you. Either one of you. Yeah, I'm about three or four episodes in. Okay, I'm about halfway through, so I'm not too far ahead of you. Uh, but yeah, I've been enjoying it this season. Um, I only have really one complaint, which is I feel like they kind of go a little too big with them getting involved in like state politics and stuff to like get referendums changed. I can see that. Um, but I mean, there's only really one episode where that's a big, big factor. Uh, so, I mean, I guess one out of what will I assume be 10 episodes. Hopefully the other ones aren't focused on that either, but one out of ten episodes, I guess I can I can deal with that. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I've been enjoying it. See, the issue I had with it, it's not. I think it's actually pretty good. I, I, mm. the, the issue I have with it is it kind of gets to that because it picks right up where the first season left off, and just mm. more shit keeps happening. Yeah, and you get into that classic problem that I always have with any dramatic television, which is like, you want me to believe this is set in the real world. But yet, all this shit just keeps happening day after day after. It's like at some point, how much stuff happens in this little town, right? Like it's, and I find yeah. that almost all dramatic television, I end up stop watching it for that reason. And I've, I'm worried this is going to end up there as well, where it's like they feel like they have to be bigger than the last season. So there's more of mm. everything. 
Yeah, I can definitely see that. It's, you know, we want, like, they, they have certain characters where, I don't know her name, the girl that they have running, like, the strip club. Mm-hmm. And they want her, Ruth. like, Ruth. Yeah, okay, so they want her to have more to do, so they just start giving her more plot points. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, and, and I, it's not that I have a problem with the character, but it's like now we've got her doing these certain things at the same time as these other characters are off like dealing with state politics and it's like all this is happening at the same time in this little town that seems to have like a couple hundred people in it um a little weird like yeah but i don't know i don't know if that'll bug me or not when i get around to finishing it yeah yeah you ever watched ozark noah uh i watched part of the first season i just haven't ever got back to it it's pretty good. I like the first season quite a bit, like the, especially like the beginning where he was, I don't know, less involved with the criminals and more just doing his own thing. Yeah, trying to figure out stuff from his own point of view rather than trying to coexist with all these other people. Yeah. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. I won't be here next week. Well, yeah, we're going to get to that. Yeah, everyone's super happy about that. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, Doug's super excited. Noah's going to be on vacation next week, so Noah will not be here. Um, and, of course, anything, <laughs> anything that involves Noah, Doug gets excited. Uh, but a friend of mine, Tony Wash, who's a uh, horror filmmaker, he's going to sit in with us, and we're going to be discussing about discussing movies where people get sucked into movies <laughs> so we're going to be talking about true lie or true lies god damn it last action <laughs> hero and uh the final girls uh not to be confused with the final girl which is a movie that came out around the same time which i think i recommend the final girl and i thought that's what we were going to watch next week and it turns out it's not so <laughs> There you go. Uh, well, I'm glad we had this conversation. Otherwise, next week would have been really awkward. I'd already figured it out. Don't worry. I'm way ahead of the game. <laughs> I may have to talk to Tony and make sure he's he's on board and understands too. Yeah, well, I'm, that's what makes me nervous about next week is not the movies. It's what are you getting me into with this Tony character? Cause... <laughs> yeah, I know. You know Tonys that are uh, filmmakers. Yeah, when it comes to Tonys that are filmmakers, I'm used to a lot of drama, so we'll see how this goes. <laughs> uh, are you disappointed you're leaving us or we're doing such awesome movies, Noah? Uh, I'm disappointed that I get to miss the uh, last action hero. Yeah. You can watch it on your cruise boat there. You can just, <laughs> just, just in the middle of the Caribbean and see and you're just inside watching a movie on your laptop or whatever that, that works just go to the front office and complain excuse me i noticed in your on-demand list for the cruise ship you do not have the last action hero starring one mr arnold schwarzenegger he was a governor he's very important sure <laughs> why you're putting an accent on to talk to these people like <laughs> my fancy accent uh... Well, my favorite part of that whole thing is the idea that you think if you talk to him nicely enough, it'll change the list of movies that are available. 
Mm. I'll send out a diver. We got another fancy guy complaining about nothing. It's just the movie he wants. <laughs> guy just swims up to the boat at the next island to the DVD for you. Here. <laughs> I swim all the way home and get this, so I want it back when you're done. <laughs> <laughs> missing a leg because it was a shark attack on the way back. But that was got to see his movie, so. <laughs> I hope you're happy. Send out the jet skis. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can always watch it and then tell us what you think the, the following week. I probably will. Yeah. No, no, no. We're discussing it next week. If you're not going to be here, you don't get to express your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, I suppose you email in and give us feedback and we'll read it and make fun of you like we do with the other listeners. That's <laughs> not a bad idea. <laughs> Although I won't have Wi-Fi access, so I don't think that'll happen either. <laughs> well, if there's like a pigeon on the boat, you could tie a, your a review to its leg and hope it gets to us. <laughs> Some fucking big-ass seagull just comes crashing into somebody's fucking picture window. Uh, oh, look. I wonder how he saw the movie out on the boat. <laughs> It's weird. He probably could have sent this to Brian. It would have been closer, but I don't know how the seagull made it all the way up to Canada. This means I have to install a picture window between now and when that bird shows up, so it has something to crash into. (laughs) It's a lot of pressure. Better get to work. (laughs) Otherwise, that bird will die for nothing. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's probably good. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.